Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast with me and my co-host, Chloe Bunter. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices we take for granted are out of date or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room in Pilates, and we're here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a fair few F-bombs thrown in. This show is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to give back, give us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on Apple Podcast app. That'll help other instructors find the show and let us know we're making a difference. In this episode, I reckon it's one of our best ones yet, we're going to talk all about Pilates breathing, or as we like to call it, breathing. Hey, Chloe. Hey, Raph. How are you? <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. <laughs> Fucking hey. That's awesome. I'm awesome. And, uh, Hold on, I just think... let me do a pull-up. <laughs> yeah, we're doing pull-ups. They're awesome. Yeah, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I, um, I think uh, it's very contagious every time you are awesome, and I know that every time we sit down. It's very rare. I think maybe there was once where you were like, yeah, I'm good, because you're a bit tired. I think there was that like once. In all the episodes we've recorded. So I think uh, knowing you're awesome, I already feel awesome. Well, it's it's very contagious. It's fun being here together and doing this, yeah, just the two of us. Yeah, this is this is cool. Like this is, um, yeah, this is a good day at work, right? Yeah, it's not really just the two of us though, is it? <laughs> we do we do have some production here as well. <laughs> Silently in the background. Um, but yeah, I'm awesome. Uh, most of you will know because um, hopefully you're following me at uh, Chloe Bunter Pilates on Instagram. Do you like that, Raph, that plug? Um, we'll know that I've got a new kitten. And look, don't worry, I'm not going to go off into like a rant about how awesome it is, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a house. Like I just, I don't know, I had this beautiful moment as I was driving here to Northcote which we now call Northcote Recording Studio. It used to be Northcote Campus. So I was driving to Northcote Recording Studio and I was just like, man, my house is so full of love and, you know, um, craziness. And It's really nice. It's really nice. I'm, I'm really loving it. Crazy kittens everywhere, lovely neighbours either side. I've got the third bloom of the roses at the front of my house happening. And I remember when I moved into the house, I was like, oh, my God, there's rose bushes. I don't know how to look after these. And everyone gave me really great advice. Uh, shout out to Jordana again, Plantilates. Um, She gave me – she's an, a total green thumb. So I've been dead-ending the roses. And I'm getting this, like, really late bloom. So anyway, so I'm freaking awesome. Yeah. Tell me why you're awesome. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to the chat we're going to have today. It's always fun. And today's topic I'm particularly interested about. Um, I'm on holidays this week. So I'm just having an awesome chillaxed week. What do you do on holidays? Lift some heavy shit? Yeah, I've been lifting some weights, um, running, riding. Yeah, nice. Um, sleeping on the sofa. Hanging with your lovely wife? Yeah, hanging with my wife. Uh, spent last night with Bintu, my daughter. Um, she's working on a project for school about Mitski, which is sounds like a cat, but it's actually- Or a composer? Yeah, it could be either. It's a it's a female artist, ah. um, and I know all about Mitski now. That's she cool. was born in Japan of uh, an American father and Japanese mother. Anyway, I can tell you the whole story. But so um, she's an artist, as in a painter no, or a, a, mu a musician. She's a musician. Yeah, that's okay. what the youth of today are listening to. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay, so that was a lot of fun. That's I learned, awesome. learned a lot and had fun hanging out with Bintu. Yay! Yeah. So we're awesome. So um, 
What are we going to talk about today? We're talk about breath. Breath. And the, and the Pilates elephant in the room is that there is a correct way to Pilates breathe. Woo. And, and it's uh, in um, thinking about the lead up to this, because when did we decide on this topic? A couple of days ago. Yeah. And it really, the more I thought about it in the last couple of days, because I love kind of, I love thinking about, you know, getting ready for what we're going to talk about. Um, I was like, holy hell, we've got to 30 something episodes of this podcast, this Pilates podcast, and we haven't talked about breath yet. And um, I am getting a lot of, I do, and I, I'm, I apologise if you felt like you haven't been heard. This is you all being really heard because I actually have had a lot of DMs about breath and can we please address it and can we extrapolate on it? And I feel a little bit, um, I feel a little bit bad that maybe I've just been a bit like, uh, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like I've just been like, uh, 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 <laughs> which was kind of like, what, what else was I doing that about? And then I end up really loving the episode. Can you remember? I don't know. Was it the headrest up or down? No, one or? <laughs> there was another episode where I was like, uh, and then I ended up learning a lot from it. So I feel like this might've been one of those Scoliosis, ones. No, like no, no, I like talking. No, I feel like it was something remember. else where I was just like, oh my God, why are people thinking about this? But I don't want to be dismissive. And also, I the more I think about this, I think this is actually going to be awesome. And I'm actually really excited. So bring it. So thank you. So what I, in a roundabout way, sorry if I've been a jerk. I'm actually really like, thank you for all the DMs about breath because I'm actually really stoked on this. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's an elephant that breath, that there is such a thing as a correct breathing pattern. Uh, I think there are a few sub elephants there as well. Um, little baby elephants. Yeah, little little baby elephants. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an image of um, a baby elephant in utero the other um, day. A freaking amazing! Like they're full on. Like there's just like this tiny little elephant inside. They're it's, like little balls. They just like roll. Like it's they, like. They, they're, it's they're fascinating. Funny, <laughs> they're great. They're great. I snort laughed. This is obviously going to, if I snort laugh, we all know this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> all right. So I reckon a couple of the baby elephants. Um, now, you know, I only know, um, you know, obviously we've both read Joseph book, Joseph's books. So we know that. Which, and which I have in front. I've got, through. we're going to talk a bit about uh, Joseph Hubertus Pilates book, Your Health, um, comedic genius. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk with all respect, all due respect to our fourth father. Um, well, I mean, Joseph was awesome in so many ways. So he many was ways. A visionary genius in so many ways. But let's face it, a few times there's some wacky shit. There's some clangers in there. Man, this book is <laughs> this book is a read and a half. I tell you that much. Um, we will talk about that. Um, what is it? What are the other baby baby well, elephants? Well, you know, you and I were originally trained in stop Pilates, which is a contemporary style of Pilates, and yeah, we were told. That uh, the, I'm doing a bit of that wasn't me going to sleep. That was me doing exhale, some. That was know, me doing a. <laughs> so you're supposed to always do a force exhale through pursed lips to yep. engage your blah blah blah, transverse abdominis, etc. Uh, and also, um, I was trained that even when you inhale, you should maintain some kind of quote abdominal connection unquote um, to maintain stability or some such thing. To make uh, sure your spine's stable, Ralph, and your pelvis yeah, and your, all the things. Yeah. Um, Hope you do that when you get around in life too and not just during your Pilates class mm. because won't that put you at risk? 
invite. Please, guys, everyone, there's <laughs> a lot of sarcasm, a lot of air quotes in there. Um, my, my God, do not turn that into a quotable quote. <laughs> so I think so. So the, the baby elephants are all right. So we're gonna, you know. We're going to read through some of the wackier passages from from your health. I'm really excited um, about this. The the whole forced exhalation thing, um, the idea that you should maintain some low level of transversus abdominis recruitment even on inhale rather than just totally relaxing it, which is biomechanically what needs to happen in order to inhale, uh, that you should use, a, like paradoxically, you should use a forced exhalation, you know, like right? But you shouldn't do a forced inhalation and use your accessory muscles of inhalation, you know, which to me is like, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to, and we're going to go over in detail the biomechanics of what happens when you breathe. Mm. We're going to like, and it's freaking cool and it'll make mm. it crystal clear to you guys. Mm. I think there's more babies though, isn't there? There's also, um, I'd like to also talk about the effect that cueing breath has in regards to motor learning. Yeah. Uh, and also, oh, there was one more. Oh, when could cueing breath yeah. be helpful? So we're not going to. When is it not an elephant? Yeah, when is it not an elephant? We love one of those. So we're not just going to poo-poo all over, all over <laughs> cueing breath. But what we're going to talk about the whys. Breath holding is bad. Why is it bad? Don't forget to breathe. <laughs> Everyone knows that's a trigger word of mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. So, by the end, I think hopefully you, if you're listening, you will be, uh, you'll be pretty clear on the biomechanics of breathing. You'll have some sense of uh, which of the above things or why the above things are elephants, except for, and also like the last one, like you said, like when it might be a good plan to cue breath. Mm. Yeah. This is juicy. Mm. All right. So what do, where do you want to start? Well, I, I, I think the start of the story needs to be a good explanation, like a nice clear explanation of what happens when I take an inhale and I take an exhale. What happens? I would like you, don't look at me like I'm going to explain that, Ralph. Like I can explain it basically, but I think you'll do a way better job. We know where All my right. strengths Will lie. Pull me back in if I start going into <laughs> sure. too much physiology. Um, all right. So... Um, well, there are there are there are there are there are three different kind of kinds of uh, breathing patterns, three different bi- biomechanical levels, I guess, of breathing. So there's basically quiet breathing, like you and I are doing right now. Like if you're just sitting around listening to this podcast on the sofa or whatever. Unless you're going for a run. Unless you're running or doing the shopping or whatever. <laughs> um, where 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 you essentially just use your diaphragm mainly to breathe. And I'll talk in a little bit more detail about how this all works in a sec. But so that's, you know, basically when you're just kind of at rest, um, you, you know, we're breathing somewhere between 12 and 18 times a minute. And we're basically just using a diaphragm for that and and to inhale. And then the, the exhale is just relaxed. Um, and then there's a more uh, like a forced inhalation, forced exhalation. So that would be when you're exerting yourself um, like either vocally, like if you want to you know, yell or sing really loudly, or if you're, you know, walking up a steep hill or doing a jump board class or whatever, and you're out, at, you know, you need more breath. And uh, then you, you get other muscles involved. So you get accessory muscles of inhalation involved, accessory muscles of exhalation involved. So, you know, you, you force the air in and force the air out more quickly. And then there's a third level, which is like, you know, coughing or, um, ah, you know, like gotcha. really, you know, you need to create a lot of pressure inside the thorax. And so that's where you get basically all of your trunk muscles essentially become involved. Um, 
Right. And yeah. that's why if you've been really crook and had a really bad cough, like your ribs and everything are just yeah. aching. And we're yeah. going to go over why it would feel like internal it's your ribs that are aching. Exactly. Like, internal external obliques, yeah. Or, and, you know, worse, like I, I, I remember once when I thought I'd cracked a rib from this particular mm. horrendous cough I'd had to the point that I got an X-ray. wasn't cracked, <laughs> but it felt like it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, all right. So, um, basically, like this, you know, to me, this is this is a fascinating topic, and I know that you you're really interested in this. Yeah, it's too. actually it's genuinely really fascinating, mm. and learning about the biomechanics of this uh, actually has kind of like made things even clearer for me. So mm. that's what I'm excited. I think mm. it will happen for our listeners too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You know, if you're listening to this and you're a Pilates instructor, you've definitely seen a picture or a model or maybe a real human skeleton um, multiple times. And if you can picture the rib cage, it's kind of an egg-shaped structure, so it's sort of narrower at the top and it flares out in it towards the middle and the bottom. Um, it's like kind of the top two-thirds of yeah. the big Christmas uh, Easter egg sort yeah. of thing. Um, and uh, the the other thing that, you know, if you kind of – picture it in your mind's eye is that the ribs run you know from the the vertebrae from the back they run kind of forwards and downwards so the the front of the ribs is actually lower than the back of the rib cage so if you look if you look yep. at the rib cage from the side the ribs are kind of slanting forwards and downwards and then they kind of curl at the at the front they kind of curl up and and reach up towards the sternum most of them um and so that's a very very like really cool adaptive kind of um, structure because when you it when you you when you, you know, move pivot those ribs essentially using the muscles of your torso that they enlarge it enlarges the thoracic cavity you know the space inside your thorax your chest which is where your lungs are so um, basically your your thorax you know your the the part of you that has ribs around it mm-hmm. you know your chest and mid back and upper back and whatever um is basically full of your lungs right so your your right lung goes all the way from the midpoint of your body out to the you know right out to the it's not glued on it's actually held on by pressure but it's right out to you it's the full diameter of your rib cage and your left lung is the full width but there's a kind of a space in between for your heart right so basically your ribs take up the full volume of your sort of the top two-thirds of your rib cage you know then your liver and stomach and spleen are kind of wedged in at the bottom of the rib cage underneath the diaphragm um and so your ribs your your, your rib cage essentially just is is a mechanical um bellows for inflating and deflating the lungs mm. um and fascinatingly the lungs are actually aren't physically like really attached to the rib cage much they're actually held on by negative pressure between the the, the lungs and the rib cage which is i won't go into that because i don't know if i can explain it uh it's without, all without freaking it. our bodies are so amazing aren't <laughs> <Yeah>. they <laughs> but they're just held on by negative pressure right wow. so there, there's a certain amount of like the pressure in the atmosphere is equal to the pressure in your lungs right so the pressure outside and your air pressure right you know if you're walking around at sea level uh-huh. yep. 760 millimeters of mercury is equal to the pressure inside your lungs but your lungs are inside this bag mm. of fascia um, and then there's another bag of fascia surrounding that which is attached to your ribs right mm. so there's um, 
this this one bag of fascia that surrounds your lungs and there's this then the ribs have this other bag of fascia and then there's a little bit of fluid in between so your lungs expand and contract within that and then the fluid prevents friction but because there's atmospheric pressure in your lungs and there's atmospheric pressure outside your body but in the space in between those two fascia bags there's a bit less than atmospheric pressure so the, there's a negative pressure there. It's about minus four millimeters of mercury. And basically that sucks your lungs out into expansion ah. and sucks them onto the, the inside walls of your rib cage. And, and I'm guessing this then is why divers, et cetera, can have issues with pressure in their lungs, et cetera. This is like, not something I've really thought about, but my okay. understanding of that is that- And they have to come up and go into a decompression yeah, chamber and stuff. when you get to a certain level of pressure, the nit- nitrogen in the air- Right. Um, uh, comes out of solution and forms bubbles in your blood, which can then God. give you a stroke or an embolism okay. or that kind of we thing. We better That's, park that yeah, for another I'm not, one. I'm not really I'm – out, I'm outside my lane. I'll ask one. my yeah. – so my brother is just a – slow note, uh, my brother Luke is a commercial diver. So um, – Sure, he might be able to answer that for us. I'll uh, I'll get I'll slide into Luke's DMs and say, "Hey, bro." <laughs> um, but that that negative pressure that holds your lungs onto your torso that is the reason why if you get like a punctured lung, mm-hmm. your lung can collapse ah. because lungs are naturally elastic and they want to yep. collapse. They have a, a surface tension because of the the anyway. It doesn't matter what, yep. but they want to collapse. Yep. But what holds your lung inflated is that negative pressure, kind of sucking it out into the gotcha. into contact with the rib cage. So anyway, um, that's really cool. It is so, so freaking cool. Anyway, I bet I like I did not know any of that. That was really cool to learn. Um, so your lungs sit above your diaphragm, and your diaphragm is a dome-shaped muscle, which is the full circumference of your rib cage. It goes from about, uh, you know, it goes up to about the level of your seventh rib. Mm-hmm. So, which is about the you know at the base of the xiphoid process you know roughly kind of sorta yep. that level um and at, and at the back it's it's got you know, a myriad of attachments goes down to the upper lumbar spine and it goes to your down to your 12th rib it go you know attaches here there and everywhere it's got a couple of holes in the middle of it you know for your vena cava to come back up the main vein that drain that drains blood from your lower body it's got a hole for your aorta artery to go down to your lower body it's got holes for the psoas to pass through it and you know, like there's there's a few little there's a, a hole for your esophagus, so food can get into your stomach. You know, through because your stomach's below your diaphragm. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's it's a it's a it's a circular dome shaped muscle, mm-hmm. um, and it's domed as in like the 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 middle is higher than the sides. You know, like a dome on a cathedral or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so it's at rest. It is in a dome shape. It's it's kind of. Um, curved mm-hmm. right and then as it contracts it shortens which tends which makes it go straighter right because mm-hmm. a straight line is the shortest distance between two points mm-hmm. which tends to flatten the the curve right yep. so it it essentially the 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 top part gets pulled down until it's flat mm-hmm. right so the, the cathedral roof becomes a flat roof you know um and what that does is it increases the vertical distance from the top of your rib cage to the bottom of your, to the top of your diaphragm, right? So it, it increases the, the vertical distance inside your thorax, mm-hmm. which means there's more space inside your thorax now, which is, it's exactly like a bellows, right? When you open the bellows, it sucks air in, right? Because mm-hmm. there's now a lower pressure inside uh, yep. than outside, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that's, that's you know, that's at rest when you contract your diaphragm, it 
pulls down, creating a negative pressure, which sucks at, you know atmospheric air in, or another way to say it is it just makes a bigger volume inside your chest, which means atmosphere the atmosphere pushes air into your into your lungs. Um, and of course, when you breathe in, right, your diaphragm goes down, and there's stuff below your diaphragm. So th- the dome of the diaphragm, like in a in a living person, is not hollow. Like when you see an anatomy you know, illustration, like you look at the diaphragm, it's just like oh, there's a skeleton, there's yeah. a diaphragm, right? Yeah. There's no guts or spleen or yeah. you know any of that stuff. But in in a living person, like inside that dome of the diaphragm, that's where your liver is, right? Gotcha. That's where your kidneys are. Yeah. That's where your stomach is. That's where your um, you know the first part of your small intestine is. That's where your you know your spleen is. You know, so there's a whole bunch of internal organs mm-hmm. inside that space, right? So when your diaphragm descends, mm, pushes it, it out. pushes them Ooh. down. I bet right? everyone right now just did a <laughs> and noticed how your tummy comes forward, right? And yeah. of course, your tummy comes forward because your diaphragm descends, pushes your liver and your spleen and your stomach yeah. downwards, and of course, well, there's. Not empty space below your liver and your spleen and your stomach. It's full up of your small intestine, your large intestine. You, it's got to you know, go somewhere when it's you take the It's got to go somewhere. So it goes out, mm. right? And that's why your belly puffs out when you take a deep inhale. Yeah. Um, because you're displacing your viscera, you know, your guts yeah. um, in, into that area. So that's – and then when you, when you uh, simply relax your diaphragm, right, it, it springs back to its resting length, mm-hmm. okay, and just by elastic recoil, okay, and the elastic recoil of your abdominal muscles, mm. you know. And elastic recoil is passive. It's passive. Just like, It just does its thing. Like we don't have to try and get it to recoil. No. It just does it. Yeah. yeah. So the inhale is active, right? The diaphragm is the predominant muscle that's helping you take that breath, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh, and then the elastic recoil is it going back to its equilibrium, its yeah. resting place, yeah. right? So there's, you know, there's, there's, uh, and and there's, and this is with this is just with the quiet breath, like this isn't breath, yeah. this isn't me doing sprints up the hill. This isn't me teaching my mat class the other night where I was teaching plus doing. I think I was getting a little <laughs> bit more into the auxiliary muscles needing to kick in. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit like, um, yeah, okay, everyone, oh yeah, huh. you know. <laughs> This is more the, you know, I'm sitting on the lounge, patting the cat, having a chat on the phone. Mm, mm, yeah. Having mm, a chat now. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. quiet breathing, diaphragm contracts to inhale and just then you basically relax all your muscles and you exhale. Um, Does that mean, Raph, I don't have to go? <laughs> uh, well, uh, not when you're just sitting there. Yeah. No. Yeah. Or doing Pilates, but we'll yeah. get, we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, the elephant. <laughs> interestingly, and just okay. as kind of a side, you know, super interesting factoid, um, when you, you know, when your diaphragm descends and, and pulls down, it creates a partial vacuum inside your chest, you know, like you, you like a bellows, right? You're opening up the yeah, valleys, yeah, that's, bellows. Yeah, yeah. There's more space in there mm-hmm. and therefore there's less pressure in there. Boyle's law, pressure and the pressure and space are inversely related, but it doesn't matter about that. But it creates a differential pressure, right? So there's lower pressure inside your thorax than in elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've just expanded the bellows, right? It doesn't just suck in air. It actually sucks blood into your lungs as well. Right. right? So the action of your diaphragm descending not only brings air into your lungs, it also brings blood into your lungs. Mm. Isn't that so freaking clever? Uh, I'm mesmerized. Like 
on the daily by how clever the body is and how intuitive and how, you know, we don't need to micromanage it during a freaking squat, you guys. Like, yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks uh, a million years of evolution. I was going to say thanks, evolution. <laughs> like, I, I sometimes I say when I see, you know, God, these like posts on Instagram or whatnot with the with the bloody big crosses and the bloody big ticks, you know, and it's oh, like, fuck. it's like, do you think we like <laughs> seriously, if we need to micromanage someone's movement to that degree, how that? F, did we? Oh, we swear on this show. How the fuck did we? <laughs> how the fuck did we evolve to where we are? Like, come on, like, stop for a moment, put your pretty critical thinking cap on, and, and like, you know, there is some ridiculous shit going on out there. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'll I'll, I'll sit back now, but that, like, it gets a, me We need riled to do a up. meme which is like <laughs> someone doing the ticks and crosses, and there's an X on it, and then someone not doing the ticks and crosses, and there's a tick on it. Yes, exactly. Like it's doing my freaking head in. There's this great one. Sorry, I know we've said quite a little bit, but this is great. Um, what's he called? The bearded something. I'll find the link on Instagram. He's hilarious. And he's he did a funny meme about it. He's like, personal trainers on Instagram be like, and he's w- bending down to pick up uh, um, like a jug of water oh, to drink, yeah, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, that one. That's and hilarious. He, and there's, a big, yeah. there's a big red cross on it, right? <laughs> and then he's like, the, the green tick is actually him <laughs> throwing the bottle up and down like a kettlebell swing <laughs> as he's drinking the water each time as it comes up. Like, to me, that epitomises the ridiculousness of those ticks and cross bullshit yeah. that we see on Insta. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, awesome. He's really funny. He's really funny. I'll um, We'll link to him. Yeah. yeah. If you're not already following him, you should be. He's just because he's funny as fuck. Um, but we digress. So we have talked about so far... I think we've all got a beautiful visual of, you know, what what our lungs look like inside, you know, the the rib cage and the diaphragm and now the role of the diaphragm and that uh, this this you know, this quiet breath is it's an inhale, the diaphragm's pressing down, it's an exhale, am I right? And it's just Elastic recoil. Elastic recoil. Yeah. We don't elastic need to, recoil of we don't need, wall, don't need to do anything about it. Our body just lungs, does elastic recoil of the abs. The thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so you said there was three different sort of types of breath. Mm, mm. So what would the sec what happens with the second one? I'm guessing the second one is more when we're jogging, when we're exerting ourselves. Yeah, when right? we're exerting. So if you're swimming or when I'm teaching and talking at the or, same time. Yeah. Right. Basically when you need more <laughs> more air. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think, you know, just, just before we get into that, I, it's, I think it's really important that when you make a picture in your mind of the lungs, right, that I always used to think of like, the, you know, my rib cage is this kind of fixed thing and then my lungs kind of inflating and deflating within the rib cage, oh. right, like two balloons inside my body. Right, okay. But actually that's not what happens. Because like, your ribs move. The ribs move and the lungs are always the same size as the ribs, right? So whatever size your rib cage is, that's the exact size of your lungs. And your lungs only expand because your rib cage expands and your lungs are attached to the rib cage Ooh. by that negative pressure gradient that we it's talked really about interesting. earlier. Yeah. So, so your lungs and your ribs are the same dimensions. They're the same. Like your, lung, your lungs don't expand inside the rib cage. They expand with the rib cage. That's really cool. Yeah. I think that's an important point mm. for people to kind of you know, understand as we're kind of imagining, you know, what's going on here because, yeah, it kind of feels like you expand your lungs but actually you're, you are you're indirectly, there's no muscles that move the lungs 
and the lungs aren't muscles. They can't move themselves. Mm. The only way you can expand your lungs is by expanding your rib cage gotcha. or your diaphragm. Yeah. Or both. Um, so, all right. And so when you need to need more air, so you need to get air in faster and then you need to get it out faster so that you can breathe both bigger breaths and also more frequent breaths. Uh, what you do is you get uh, your accessory muscles of inhalation and your accessory muscles of exhalation involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically that is every muscle in your trunk, mostly. Um, so you have intercostal muscles. Inter means between and costal means ribs. Mm-hmm. And you have, like you have um, internal and external oblique muscles, you have internal and external intercostal muscles. And the cool thing if you're learning anatomy is that the internal and external intercostals run in the same direction as the internal external obliques. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> it is. That is helpful. So I've just got to remember yeah. my pockets. So Which external, way do the pockets go? External is hands in pockets, <laughs> yeah. whether it's obliques or intercostals, right? So as as you as you put your hands in... You just, taught me that. That's yeah. how I remember it. Well, I, I can't take credit for making it up, but it's just, yeah. It's, What's helpful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you just had a waistcoat on, say, or a hoodie, right, and you put your hands in your pockets, your fingers are kind of facing down and inwards, right? Well, that's the alignment of the fibres of your external obliques, and it's also the alignment of the fibres of your external intercostals, mm-hmm. right? So if you imagine the intercostals, they run, imagine like from, say, your your fifth rib, which is at about the level of the bottom of your sternum, maybe a little bit above the bottom of your sternum, okay, between your fifth and sixth rib, Okay, well, imagine the intercostal, you know, the external intercostal starts on your fifth rib, you know, the higher rib, and it runs down and forwards to the sixth rib. Yeah. Right. So it runs down and diagonally forwards. And then inside that, you've got the internal intercostals, which just run exactly perpendicular. So they run down and backwards Mm. from the fifth rib to the sixth rib. Yeah. Right. So just like the internal and external obliques. That is very helpful. Um, and man, I, like I, I would love to talk about the intercostals for about ninety minutes because there's okay, but we're, we're not because <laughs> I need to read from your okay. health, okay. and that's where really all the right. juicy shit is. So let's keep it all up. Right. But all right, so there's some really cool biomechanics <laughs> around the intercostals. Like, no, Raph, we would like that. So no, we'll I'm pretty sure they wouldn't. <laughs> all right, but but because of would. the leverage, because the origin insertion of the external intercostals, when they contract, they tend. You know, they tend to pull the ribs together, right? So if it's, if it's your fifth and sixth rib that they're connecting, right? So they tend to pull the fifth rib down, they tend to pull the sixth rib up, huh. right? But because the origin on the fifth rib is further posterior, yeah. you know, it's further back, it's closer to the fulcrum, you know, being the costovertebral joint, mm-hmm. you know, the joint where your rib joins your vertebrae at the back, yep. right? And the, the insertion on the sixth rib is further from the fulcrum because your, your sternum is not a fulcrum, it, it's not fixed it moves through space right where your spine is more relatively fixed yeah so because the insertion is further from the fulcrum the it's got more leverage right so your lower rib tends to move up more than the upper rib tends to move down because of that oblique or diagonal orientation of the muscle now i'm not going to explain that in any more depth but it's freaking awesome. Don't you have an anatomy? Is this in your anatomy? Co- we we do have. Uh, no, this isn't no? in the anatomy course. Oh. Yeah, well, we could do a whole new anatomy course on the, the anatomy you, of breathing. You could. Yeah. yeah. Well, gosh, I think it'd be a hit, Raf. <laughs> Slide um, into our DMs if you want to have to um, create that. And because because of and the internal intercostals are oriented exactly opposite, so when they contract, they tend to depress the the, the upper rib, mm. right? So the external intercostals tend to pull your ribs up. Mm-hmm. And the internal intercostals tend to pull your ribs down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, the external intercostals. So, when pulling your ribs up, 
because your ribs, as we said at the start, angled, are angled down from back to front, right? The front of the ribs is lower than the back of the ribs. Well, as you pull your ribs up, you they pivot around, okay, lifting the sternum and like it, they call it a, a pump handle movement, but basically if the ribs angle down and then it pivots up till it's horizontal, well, actually the horizontal distance from the front to the back got bigger. Okay. Sorry, sorry. So everyone, for listeners out there, that was my brain going, I need a moment. So. <laughs> I think I need a bit. I think if, I need a If okay, I put okay. my arm out straight yep. in front, yep. right? Not straight in front. My arm's angled down. I downwards. do hope that some right? of our listeners are with me sometimes brain-wise with this, like, or they're like, come on, downwards, Chloe, catch right? up. And my my fingers are now, you know, a certain horizontal distance from my torso. Yes. Right? As I, my arm lifts up, like, look where my fingers are relative to the cup here, if you can, if you're watching the video. Yeah. As my arm lifts up, my fingers are now further that way, right? You can see where they are relative to the cup. They've, they're mm-hmm. past it, right? Because... Mm-hmm. And you can see as my arm goes further and further down, eventually my fingers are level with my torso. Right. Right? So the, the further up my arm comes, the further away oh, my yeah. fingers are. I'm with you. Right? Yeah. So if this was a, if this was a bellows from my torso yes. to my, my hand, yes. right, the more I raise my arm up, the more space there is in the bellows. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I'm not sure how well that translated on radio, but – if your hands by your, if your hands by your side, it's radio. I love that. Right? If your hands by your side, there's no horizontal distance between your hand and your torso, right? Yeah. As you lift your arm forwards, the horizontal distance between your hand and your torso increases more and more, yeah. right? Just sit and then lift your arm forwards, yeah. and you'll find that your hand gets further and further away from you, yeah. right? And as your arm is horizontal, your hand is maximum at its maximum horizontal distance, right, mm. from your torso. And as your arm goes past horizontal, the hand gets closer to you again. Yes. You know, in a horizontal yes. plane. Okay. And that's exactly what happens with your ribs because your ribs are angled downwards when they're at rest. Okay. And so when you lift the ribs, just like lifting your arm, the yeah. horizontal distance, the fingertips get further away, right? And the fingertips in this case are the sternum. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, as you lift your chest, the sternum moves forwards. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, everyone's at home going, looking in the mirror, taking a deep breath and going, well, fucking duh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's, a, there's a really cool biomechanical reason behind that and uh-huh. that is why your ribs are angled downwards. Right when you look at a skeleton, you, you see the ribs angled downwards. Yeah. You, maybe you've never wondered, like, why are those ribs? I why, must admit, I've never they wondered. Just circular, you know? Why, I've never wondered why they are this weird shape and they kind of yeah. go down and I've back noticed, up again. I've noticed, but not wondered. Right? Well, that's why they go down and back up again. Gotcha. Right, um, and also at the side of the rib cage, the side of the ribs is lower than the front and the back of the ribs. Right, so they go down and then they come back up again. Yes. Right. So the the side of the ribs, as the side of the ribs lift up, there's what's called a bucket handle movement which just pivots and the same in the same as a bucket handle, as your side ribs elevate, your chest becomes wider, mm-hmm. right? And again, if you look in the mirror, take a deep breath, you'll go, yeah, duh, like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's obvious. So, well, that's part, that's the reason your ribs are lower at the sides and then they come back up again at the front. Mm-hmm. So if we, anything we can do to, to elevate our ribs, right, is going to increase both the anterior posterior distance from our spine to our sternum, you know, mm-hmm. The the the, dia- the the anterior posterior diameter of our che- thoracic cavity, right? Increase the volume inside there, and, and it's also going going to increase the lateral, you know, the side to side size of that thoracic cavity, 
right? right? So anything we can do to elevate our ribs is going to in you know create a bigger thoracic cavity, which is going to create a you know open the bellows more, uh-huh. okay, which is going to create more negative pressure. It's going to suck in more air, uh-huh. right? So we use our external intercostals mm-hmm. to elevate the ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can also use, because when we use our external intercostals, they pull the ribs up, but they also pull the ribs down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like they're pulling just two ribs together, mm-hmm. right? So we use our sternocleidomastoids mm-hmm. and our scalenes in our neck mm-hmm. to fix, because the scalenes attach to the first two ribs mm-hmm. and the sternocleidomastoids attach to the sternum mm-hmm. and they hold, they fix the sternum and the, the top two ribs up and then the, then the external intercostals pull up all of the rest of the ribs you know, from that support, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can get other muscles involved, like we can get serratus posterior superior on the spine. We can get the uh, erector spinae to pull the spine into slight extension, which elevates the sternum. Like there, you could basically get like almost every muscle. You're going to tell me how to activate one of those one at a time, Ralph? <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> right. So, okay. So that's the so that's the in inhalation yeah. with exertion. Yeah, and of course the diaphragm's still going hell for leather yeah. at this point. Yeah, right? this is like this yeah. is like the diaphragm needs some basically some of its mates right. to come in and help. Right. So is that, is that yeah. what we're talking so about? So rest, we've yeah. just got the diaphragm, and then as we go to a forced inhalation, like you're running or you're going to take a big shout or whatever, you are using your external intercostals, you're using your stenocleidomastoids, your scalenes, your serratus posterior superior, which go from your sort of mid thoracic up to your ribs in a V, sort of underneath your rhomboids-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got uh, also your erector spinae, so your longissimus, your th- uh, spinalis, your blah, 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 iliocostalis, mm-hmm. all of those ones, which pull your spine into extension, which also opens your thoracic mm-hmm. cage wider, yep. which creates more pressure differential, which sucks in more air. Gotcha. Right? So all of those things. Um, and, and I think, you know, they're in comes one of the elephants, which is that you shouldn't, air quotes, use your neck muscles when breathing. Bloody hell. Right? Which is like, okay, well, while you and I are sitting here, relaxed, okay, yeah, we probably don't need to use our neck muscles, right? We're just using our diaphragm, mm-hmm. right? But if you go for a brisk walk, yeah, you need to use your neck muscles. Or if you're doing a brisk Pilates class, right? <laughs> right? I get I get out of breath in, in well, Pilates. Anytime you, t- look, just try this out at home, right? Just go stand in front of a mirror and take in the deepest breath you can take. And guess what happens? I know, I'm looking at, it's funny, I'm looking at your, your neck, neck right muscles, now. Yeah. You, and try and do it without contracting your neck muscles. You fucking can't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, because they were So this is one movement. of those, and this happens a lot uh, in the realm of Pilates, hence why this is an elephant and we're talking about it, is we make up these outrageous rules that if you actually knew the biomechanics – or the anatomy, yeah, once you know right? the anatomy, Do you, they don't you, make like, sense. It, it's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you don't, if you don't, in, if you don't recruit your sternocleidomastoids and your scalenes in your neck, you know, at the front of your neck, to fix your sternum and your first two ribs, well, your intercostal is just going to pull the ribs down instead of up, which is going to cause you to exhale. Yeah, I was going to say right? it's gonna be so, so you're just going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you end up. Hyperventilating yeah. so, or something. So, so to take a, a full inhalation, including to breathe into the sides of your ribs, right? Because that's still the intercostals doing So the, that. the, the whole I'm, I'm visualising now, you know, uh, when we were doing Stott 
Stott training mm. back in the day and you and you'd teach your clients this too you'd get them to everyone had to put their hands yeah. on their own ribs or or even better you'd come up to the client and you'd put your hands on their ribs yeah. and get them to you could use a flex band you know, tied up around. Yeah, like, it was, in but, yeah, yeah, style, yeah. I did you know? that as well, and you had to expand into the into that, and yeah. it was like, oh boy, oh boy. Um, okay, so we've 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 covered we've covered the inhale, but we haven't covered the exhale. So the exhale, whereas whereas when it's just like at rest, breath, the quiet breath is just the elastic recoil. Now the exhale, when we are actually doing something that's asking more from us physically exertion wise what's coming into play there uh will you get all will you get your internal intercostals because mm-hmm. they do the opposite they depress the ribs yeah um you obviously relax your sternocleidomastoids and your scalenes and your erector spinae am i relaxing whatever. so i'm relaxing yeah. my neck now yeah. oh relax good okay great great um and you also engage your rectus abdominis mm-hmm. your transversus abdominis mm-hmm. and uh, internal external obliques uh, is kind of like all the external abs? obliques. Yeah, they come in like only really at the top end of it, like when you're really working hard. Like if you right, so well, that's kind of me. Anytime I sprint at the moment, I'm a bit <laughs> bit out of um, practice with my sprints. Actually, look, guys, I may as well just be honest. It's kind of me when I run at the moment. Um, been a bit slack. Been a bit, you know, <laughs> too busy with my kittens. <laughs> um, and I noticed when I did go for a run the other day, I was like. Oh, feeling a little bit sick at this point and actually literally had to stop. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking all my apps yeah, were doing the thing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can. It was like what part of it has to be comfortable sometimes too. It's like, you know, yeah, you just get true. the thing done, right? I I'm was like, flashbacks. Adam Meekins would be just like, just fucking do the thing. Just go well, for your. There's a t-shirt going around at the moment that says no one cares to work harder. No one cares yeah. like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't really endorse it, actually. No, um, no. But sometimes I do need to pep talk myself to be just like embrace the discomfort. Yeah, I think embracing discomfort sometimes is a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> we digress. So okay, so there's there's all these other auxiliary muscles happening, and now we're getting yeah. the abs involved, etc., yeah. etc. Et cool. Right. Okay, so uh, we've ticked off one, we've ticked off two. You said the third one is when we're like having a coughing fit or... Well, just before we go into that, I just want to touch on one of the elephants we talked about, which was, and again, I I know stop Pilates, right? Because that's what what we were... So so for those that might be just new to Raph and I and Raph's and my journey, because I know that some, you know... You listeners, you're freaking awesome. Some of you are going like right back to the start. Like I'm getting DMs of people. I got a DM the other day uh, from a new listener and she had binge listened to 11 full episodes within a weekend. And I was like, holy shit. I only thought like that happened on Netflix. So thank you so much for binge listening to Raph and I. That was real. That gave, like, yeah, I felt really chuffed that about awesome. that. that I, awesome. Like, I had a real moment where I sat down and went, what even is, it, what even is life? This is so crazy that someone would binge listen to us, like, in the but best possible it, way. Isn't it so awesome that we live at this moment in history where, you know, the technology is available and we're all so affluent that we can sit around making podcasts and listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And we can, like, you know, if this was 100 years ago, 
there would have been kindred spirits all over the world. Shakespeare would have been writing you, about, the bards would have right, been. But you can't connect with people, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like six months to get a letter to someone across the other side get of the world. Get on a ship. And yeah. yeah. But now we can just make this podcast and you guys can just listen to it, send us a DM, bam, we can have an actual dialogue, an actual yeah. conversation with you yeah. in real time. It's fantastic. It's so, it's so cool. So, so I know that some of our new listeners, they're going back from day one and um, – and going forward. Um, but I also know that some listeners are coming in at like the latest episode. They're like, oh, this is this has popped up in my suggested, you know, podcast that I might be into and they're starting there. So um, Raf and I were both originally Stott trained. Um, so we've had quite the, the journey ourselves with, you know, uh, unlearning and relearning or unlearning and learning. It's maybe the, it's not really relearning, is it? I don't know. I don't know. You know, learning. Just like, yeah. you know, letting growth. Go, letting go of old Letting old go ways, of old ways, yeah. uh, critical thinking, uh, et cetera. So um, we were absolutely trained in the whole there is a correct way to breathe mm-hmm. in Pilates and there is a correct alignment and there is a correct and yada yada. Who trained you in that, Chloe? <gasps> Raphael Bender <laughs> is to blame, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Raph. And Nick. <laughs> Thanks to both of you. Yeah, damn you, Nick Maz. Oh, we love Nick. Nick, if you're listening, we love you. Couldn't do it without you. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Nick Maz and Raph have actually been my two mentors. We trained for, you up in how to breathe like properly, didn't we? near on nine years. and Those lateral uh, and posterior lobes of your lungs. <laughs> I've got them to blame oh, for freaking everything, to be perfectly honest. So, um, so all right, so <laughs> when, when we were trained up in those old Stop Pilates uh, days, yeah. um, and uh, my recollection is um, – we used to teach that even on the inhalation, you should maintain some low level of transversus abdominis activation. Because I remember like in all of those manuals, it used to say inhale to prepare, engage your pelvic floor and yeah. you know, deep abdominals, blah, yeah. blah, blah. There's a little yeah. spiel that you used to memorize, right? Yeah. And and so it was the idea Because you must stop people from moving before they move. Right. So you have to maintain some level of transversus abdominis recruitment even on the inhale, mm. right? Which- you know, I just want to think through now for a moment, mm-hmm. right? So the the action of transversus abdominis, you know, the fibers of transversus abdominis run wrap horizontally around the lower torso. They go up to about your T five rib internal to the mm-hmm. rib cage. They go down to your pelvis, symphysis pubis to your spine. The fibers are horizontal. It doesn't flex or extend the spine significantly. Doesn't cause rotation, but what it does do is narrows your waist. So it narrows the sides of your waist, narrows the waist from front to back as well. So it basically is literally like a muscular corset that surrounds your lower abdomen. So if you're a Pilates instructor, you're going like, yeah, I roll, yawn. You know, that's yeah, what yeah. I, that's what I teach people on the daily, right? All right. So transverse abdominis narrows your abdomen, narrows mm-hmm. your waist, right? Mm-hmm. When you do a relaxed inhalation. What happens to your waist? It gets wider. So if it gets wider, what's happening to transversus abdominis? It's relaxing. It's relaxing and lengthening, right? (laughs) So in order to do a relaxed inhalation, you must relax your transversus abdominis. Correct. To the degree that you maintain your transverse abdominis uh, you know, recruited, you are opposing the diaphragm. The transverse abdominis is opposing the diaphragm. It's like doing a bicep curl and contracting your triceps at the same time, right? It's literally like that. Because it's directly opposing your your diaphragm is is squishing your viscera downwards, mm. right? Increasing the pressure in your 
abdominal pelvic cavity mm. and your transverse abdominis in a relaxed breath just relaxes and lengthens and allows the pressure to normalize. So there's the same amount of pressure inside as outside, right? Mm. Whereas if you maintain your transverses contracted, all you're doing is pushing back against the diaphragm, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's it's funny because like, it's like I feel like there's been times in the past when I've been you know involved in a photo shoot or something, and I've been like <laughs> trying to trying to suck it in, right? Not it's like like you got to have visceral guys, that's fine, but you know it's a photo shoot. I was like sucking in, and you try and take that inhale while sucking it in. I tell you what, you end up with you end up with a stomach ache at the end of the shoot. That's what you end up with. It, Hardcore stomach ache. We've all been there. We've all been there. Ow. Just suck it, suck it in like crazy, but look natural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smile. Relax your face. Oh, this Stop is that mis- weird face, Chloe. I'm fucking trying. Yeah, it's just me, you know, laying around. Oh, I didn't know you were there with the camera. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. yeah, we've all been there. No shame. <laughs> Um, but right, yeah, so- I, but, but I've just think like, I'm, like seriously, I've had a really sore stomach um, after doing that, after trying to squish my viscera. And spoiler alert, everyone, we need viscera. Like it's really normal for your tummy to get soft and get bigger and all of those things when you breathe, mm. right? Well, it's, it's, it's part of the biomechanics of, of relaxed breathing, right? Yeah. So the more you, that you recruit your abdominals as you inhale, the more difficult it is to inhale. And therefore, the more you need to recruit your accessory muscles of breathing, mm-hmm. right? So if you're maintaining your transversus, you know, contraction whilst inhaling, well, your diaphragm can't descend as far because there's too much pressure down below. So you're going to have to get your external intercostals involved, which means you're going to recruit your sternocleidomastoids and your scalenes. Mm. Right? So How do you all- just roll? I <laughs> just like... <laughs> You well, just roll those those names, just roll off the tip of your tongue. It's quite impressive. I'm like well, you said. Um, we've all got we've all got our little superpowers, tricks that we can superpowers. do at parties, and that's cage fun. line. By the way, if you haven't uh, got your push oh, up in up. yet, <laughs> cage line. Uh, okay, cool. So. That whole you're needing to maintain an engagement of your transversus abdominis whilst taking your inhale is just it does it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. We could have put that in our nonsensical cues uh, yep. episode. Yep. It is nonsensical. Yeah. It's like yeah. saying contract your triceps while you do a bicep curl. It's just it's directly opposing the yep. action of the muscle that you use. Okay. Great. So excellent. <laughs> tick tick that little myth off. So the th- can we move on to the yeah. third one? Yeah. Well the third one's really quick and easy it's just like coughing or you know like really maximal you know like i don't know if you want to shout as loud as you could i guess it's really mostly it's coughing and sneezing and stuff like that would um, it be singing like uh, like if you're like uh, like death metal maybe but i i think you know the the literature i've read really says coughing and sneezing okay. are the real big um things that's where you right. really you know because you want to explosively expel something right uh-huh. out of your throat or whatever uh, if you're coughing gotcha. right so you want to maximize the pressure in your lungs to pop the cork out of the champagne bottle, right? right? Um, and so you just recruit everything, and that's when you recruit your internal and external obliques maximally, your transverse abdominis maximally, right. like to push your viscera in. You have to recruit your pelvic floor as well because that keeps the pressure inside your lumbopelvic cavity, which pushes your viscera pelvic up. Pelvic floor, there's, a, there's some Pilates crack right there, yeah. Raf. Yeah, well, we could talk about that. I've just written an article <laughs> for Men's Health on pelvic floor. Have so, you? Yeah, I'm, for I'm, Men's Health magazine? Yeah, on Men's Pelvic Floor. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, wow. neck, I'm neck deep in the pelvic floor right now. Wow, Raph. <laughs> Men's Health Magazine, Body and Soul. 
uh, magazine. This is um, this is cool. Yeah, and we can link. I don't think the men's health one will be out yet, but um, we, the, the body and soul body one we can soul. link to in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, which was fantastic about him empowering, empowering body body positivity and finding yeah. a finding a instructor that does it's those not, things for you. Not fear based. It's not fear based <laughs> that that lifts you up. Um, yeah, and okay. so, so that's why when you've like if you've been sick and been coughing a lot, you get sore abs and sore yes. ribs because you're using, you really using those do. forced exhalation yeah. muscles, so the accessory yeah. muscles of exhalation. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's that's really the biomechanics of breathing. I, I think the only the last thing I just wanted to touch on with that is that so because you know the the accessory muscles of inhalation, a lot of them are spinal extensors, mm-hmm. you know, rectus spinae, etc. Um, also, your um, accessory muscles of exhalation are all your abs basically right your flexors Mm -hmm. so when you extend your spine you know you essentially tend to inhale Mm. right and when you flex your spine you tend to exhale and that's why as you as you extend your spine it's really hard to exhale right because the 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 action of extending your spine naturally increases the volume of your thoracic cavity right so if you want to exhale while you do that you've got to work your diaphragm and your abs really hard but it, it limits how far you can extend if you truly want to exhale because extension and exhalation are kind of opposed movements, right? The muscles used to exhale of abs, the muscles used to extend are extensors. Mm. So it's like, again, it's like driving with the brakes on. Mm. It's the opposite. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this face at you, Raph, because I have been asked by a Pilates instructor before to do that breath pattern. Mm. And like, it's like, Oh, like, like, why are you putting the brakes on my, right. on my extension? Why are you doing is. this? Like, it's, it's like it's, this feels so yeah, just constricted and retarding the movement speed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the same is as you inhale, as you flex. Well, inhalation is, you know, fundamentally, you know, if if it's not just a, a relaxed inhalation, if you're using any of your accessory muscles of inhalation, it's you're creating an extension force on your spine. And so if you're trying to inhale and flex, again, you're trying to do sort of two mechanically opposite things because the muscles that use you to inhale are your extensors and the muscles that used to flex are your flexors. And, mm-hmm. yeah. mm. Okay. Okay. So we've fully and comprehensively gone through the biomechanics of, of breath. Not fully and comprehensively. I mean, I, okay, is that more. is that taking it too far? Yeah. Okay, I know you would have liked to have spent ten hours on it, <laughs> but uh, it feels pretty full and comprehensive to me. Um, I thought that was amazing, and I'm sure I would I like to talk too. more about the the moment arm of external intercostals and how that causes You're really into the intercostals. <laughs> hey, <laughs> okay, the intercostals are your jam. There we go. Um, and we didn't even mention pectoralis minor. So when you're yeah, going to say when when I get. Pectoralis minor elevates, you know, if you fix your shoulder girdle, so if you if you use, say, your lower trapezius, your middle trapezius, your upper trapezius, rhomboids, to, to fix your shoulder girdle, then your um, serratus anterior and your pec minor can elevate the ribs, right? So your shoulder girdle muscles essentially, you know, become um, accessory muscles of inhalation, which I forgot that whole section. Because yeah. mm, I have definitely pulled up with uh, sore pecs before as well after after a horrendous coughing. Well, yeah, coughing, it's a whole cold. body exercise. Mm, really? Like it really is. <laughs> it really is a whole body exercise. It's not one I'd like to do. I'm sure there's plenty of other ones. Um, should we take a break, Raph? Yeah, what a great time to take a break. While Chloe's ducked out to make a coffee, I just want to quickly mention... 
that if you've got questions, if you've got things floating around your head, question marks, maybe somebody said something at work and you're like, "Eh, not really clear on what that means, but I'm kind of not confident to ask because I don't want to look kind of foolish in front of people. Well, come ask me and um, you won't look foolish. You'll be a hero for asking awesome questions. And even the questions that you think are like, maybe that's a really stupid question. Those are the questions you get the biggest gold stars for asking. So come ask me. We've got a weekly Q&A. It's live. It's called Stop Faking It and Really Know Your Stuff. There's always a bunch of great people online. There's a, always a great conversation and uh, you leave you know, wiser, empowered and uh, feeling a sense of solidarity with like-minded folk. So love to see you. Hey, Raph. Huh. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> what are you reading We're there, back. Chloe? Um, so in my hot little hand... I have in your hand, your scratched my, and scarred hand. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've got two kittens at home. Um, my hand modelling days are well and truly behind me. And in fact, I'm probably going to get some interesting looks the next time I go and get my nails done. If truth so, be told. so if I want something from you and you say you don't want to give it to me, I'll just scratch your hand from now on. So. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it does show they are a little bit rude now. My cats like ask for things, aren't they? It's like, hey, mum, we're just going to scratch the shit out of your hand. Can we have a treat? Um, yeah, it's a bit warped. I am definitely their servant. Um, and anyone who owns cats will know that. But look, before the break, uh, it, we talked about the biomechanics of uh, inhalation and exhalation. We talked about um, some of the really wacky cues that nonsensical cues that are out there uh in baby elephants baby elephants that are that are out there in the the pilates uh stratosphere and um i thought look we can't have an episode of pilates elephants on breath without you know and if there is a particular pilates breathing pilates breath there is a correct way to breathe in pilates we're going to talk about that well we need to talk about what did the man himself mr jh pilates have to say about breath okay and i think we you know like because what i do feel like a lot in the pilates world is you hear this argument but it's Pilates. It's not Pilates if you don't do it this way. It's not Pilates if you don't do this. It's not Pilates if you don't do this. It's not Pilates if you don't do the principles of Pilates. I'm sorry, but hey, <laughs> freaking, oh no, I'm starting now. Oh, shit. It's like, it's like, Raph's like, here she goes. Oh man, I've got her all wound up. Now, the principles, the quote, the principles of Pilates. I'm happy to do an episode on that because if you're going to throw that shit at me, Read Return to Life through Contrology. He does not mention one of those principles. As in, like, he talks, definitely talks about elements, but he didn't create those principles. It was created post, my understanding is, post his death, when you had the elders, when you had potentially Romana bringing in the first of the the teacher training. Yeah, and I know that there might be someone out there that understands or knows the history more than me, and I'm happy to be corrected on that. But if we're going to look at Joseph's literature that he left, which was he left us two books that I know of, his first book being um, Your Health, which I think was first published in the 30s. something like that. Uh huh. Swacky as shit. We're going to have a little uh, little chat skis about this in a moment. Um, I'm going to read you one of my favourite passages where I think he was potentially wildly drunk. Um, and then that was a bit controversial, me putting that out there, Raph. Have we just been cancelled? Um, and then um, we all know Joseph liked to, liked to tipple and a, however many cigars uh, a, 
a day. Um, but I digress. Uh, and then his second book, which was published in the 40s, which is Return to Life Through Contrology, which has his set of 34 mat work exercises in it and does have, you know, some of his, like a, he talks about what he's into, basically. They know and here are the principles of Pilates, no right? Principles. So, you know, depending on what school you went to, you might have been given nine principles. You might have been given seven principles. Hey, you might have come to Breathe Education and they're not given any principles. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> how controversial. So um, I would just like to do a little bit of story time here. And I have got... Oh, this is fun. <laughs> this is really fun. I'm settling in. And set, settle in. So, but before we do that, I'd just like to say that I actually had to read this book originally <laughs> as part Who of our... you read it? <laughs> Raphael Bender. And I, I got to say, guys, the first time I read Your Health... I had to sit down and go, holy fucking shit, this is what I've dedicated my life to. And I had to really question it's it a right little out bit. There, isn't it? It's, and the, I was like, the whole like skin brushing thing. For oh, but come on, read, read Cage Line, do another push up. And um, Joseph used to come at his clients when they were naked in the shower with that bloody communal scrub brush. Ugh. Um, they, that is wrong on so many levels, and they, I'm happy to have a whole episode talking about that scrub brush. But <laughs> let's move. Let's move on. Shaman's got one. Belle's got one. Um, okay, scrub so brush. yes. <laughs> and one of our listeners messaged me before. And she's like, "Chloe, reading reading Cage Line. I have just gone and got the scrub brush." And I'm like, "Can everyone stop with the fucking scrub brush? It's gross. It's gross." Um, so, but look, if you want to use your own scrub brush, just don't share it. I don't think that's hygienic. Um, and Maybe you've created a monster, Chloe, unintentionally. It's possible, no. Second snort laugh for the episode. This is going to be gold. So, okay, let me right, let me time. let me read from Your Health, a corrective system of exercising that revolutionises the entire entire field of physical education by Joseph Hubertus Pilates. Now, I've got a little highlighted section here because I just want to set the scene. I want to set the scene. This is what JP wrote in his book. This is page 15 in my copy. Pardon this thought, <laughs> but is it not idiotic, figuratively speaking, to permit oneself to be led around by one's nose by these wholly mercenary, unscrupulous and irresponsible exploiters who, through their misleading advertisements, fake references and unconscionable methods, prey upon the blind credul cred cred credulity of the public? Think it over, you saps. And he uses an exclamation mark there. Think it over, you saps. Hocus, and I, I'm actually, I'm kind of down with this bit because I think he might be calling out woo, even though he's got some decent woo in this book. Hocus Pocus is Hocus Pocus by any other name. Under ideal true conditions, et cetera, et cetera. That's interesting, right? Mm. Think it over, you saps. Now, I... A, I, I, he's passionate in this paragraph. Like super he's passionate. super freaking passionate. I think he's a bit angry. I think he's a bit pissed off. And we know if you, you know, you've you listened read to Pupre Cage Line and you listen to John Howard Steele, you know, uh, talking about yeah. his experience of friendship with Joseph. Joseph was this like tortured, caged he lion. Frustrated. He was frustrated. He felt like he had uh, a lot to offer humankind, everyone should be, he felt mankind. Everyone should be doing Pilates. Yeah. And no one seemed to understand that. 
and and he also felt like he'd been quite ignored by the physical therapy. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I, I, he's he's mad. He's cranky in this. Mm. Think think it over, you saps. Mm. Okay. So that's uh, he's talking to his readers. So you can imagine too, if this is how he talks to his readers in the book that you think they've just purchased, it would have been interesting being taught by him one on one, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, f- from what I've heard, he didn't do a lot of talking. Yeah, there's 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 images, there's interesting images in this book where he's comparing himself to his clients and saying, see, look, look at how bad they are and look at how you could be if you do my exercises. And I'm like, talk about body shaming. What the fuck? Um, but anyway, oh, cool. Um, okay, now I'm going to talk about breath uh, and Joseph's uh, viewpoint on breath. And he actually puts this in Chapter 8 of your health. And he actually puts this in the chapter eight, the title of which is first educate the child. So he's basically coming from, well, if we can set, and I mean, kind of, kind of seeing this, if we can set good habits of, of health and physical fitness from childhood, we're setting up adulthood, right? So, you know, again, it's this, it's this kind of like one minute, I'm loving the things he's saying. The next minute I'm like, dude, what the F? And we've got to know too, like he was a product of his time. He was born, you know, in the late 1800s. He was a sickly child himself. He had asthma. He had rickets. He lost a freaking eye, you guys. Like think about this for a moment. The guy had a glass eye. He lost an eye prior to the invention of penicillin. That's that's hardcore. That's hard freaking core. Okay. So he had an obsession with health. He had an obsession with breath, which you can, you can be compassionate towards, right? If you've got asthma and, and, and this is asthma before asthma pumps, right? This is asthma before Ventolin. He's lost his eye before penicillin. He's got asthma before, like he's like. Didn't stop him smoking the stogies though. Well, and, and again, product of his time, wasn't it? Because you, I mean, I remember my grandfather, I remember when my grandfather quit, but I remember when my grandfather smoked and I remember when my grandfather smoked pipes and, you know, there was all this narrative around, well, it was relaxing. It was good for your health. It was good for your nervous system. Hell, they used to put cocaine in Coca-Cola. Mm. Well, like, I've seen um, magazine advertisements from the twenties and thirties with doctors recommending cigarettes. Right. Right. So you kind of, you can, I can see all that, but then I can also, so it's really clear, clearly see where he might've been, you know, really interested in breath, right? Where his obsession came from. Correct. And how to, how to uh, facilitate a bigger breath or a, you know, a more easy, uh, like. Well, the whole thing with asthma is you can't take a full breath. Right. And so he was all about taking a full breath as we're just about to learn, right, right in story time. Correct. And ultimately he passed away from emphysema. emphysema. Yeah. Yeah. All those stogies. Yeah. So here we go. <sighs> Settling on in now. I'm going to get my reading voice on. I always thought I might like to uh, narrate a audio book, but mm. I digress. The f- <laughs> Everyone who my voice annoys is just there going, are you fucking kidding me, Chloe? But anyway. Um, thanks. Thanks, Raph. Thanks. Thanks. The first lesson is that of correct breathing. Children must be taught how to take long, deep breaths sufficient to expand the upper chest to capacity. They must be properly instructed how to draw the abdomen in and out at the same time holding their breath for a short time. 
We're going we're gonna to pick the logic apart of this in a second, right? Then they should also learn how to properly, how properly to fully deflate the lungs in exhaling. To properly deflate the lungs is an art in itself and this final step in correct breathing is less understood. As a rule, it is seldom if ever properly taught unless the individual is privately coached by one who understands what is really all about. Correct breathing exercises under the dominance of mental control would undoubtedly accomplish more toward the prevention of tuberculosis as well as accomplish more towards attaining and maintaining maximum health standards than all other remedies combined. The lungs cannot be completely deflated at first without considerable effort. With perseverance, however, the desired results can be accomplished and with increasing power, gradually and progressively develop the lungs to their maximum capacity. That will actually, I think my eye's twitching, that will actually cause the chest to balloon and at the same time bring practically every other muscle of the entire system into play. Thus, the child's posture will then be normal, in inverted commas, natural, not inverted commas in brackets, natural. With proper breathing and correct posture, the child has no need for artificial exercise walking, running, jumping, tumbling, climbing, wrestling, etc. natural exercises calculated by Mother Nature to develop her children normally. It's interesting the... Um, I'd love your opinion. Well, it's interesting the, the sort of dichotomy there between mm. the, the end part where he says, you know, let Mother Nature sort of... Science, you know, Mother Nature. And, yeah. Science, Mother Nature. And mm. he references science, like he uses the word science. Yeah, but I don't think he know, He means by the same thing that we mean by it. I yeah. don't think he does no. either. And he uses a lot of anecdotal mm-hmm. evidence. Mm. Yeah. So any, any tr- what, what, what do we take well, from that? he's talking, to, all right, so he advocates a full inhalation to inflate the upper parts of the chest. So that's a, a full forced inhalation, mm-hmm. right? And then he advocates holding the breath whilst uh, inflating and deflating the abdomen. I can't remember the exact word so he used. So here we go. So they must be properly instructed how to – So okay, children must be taught how to take long, deep breaths sufficient to expand the upper chest capacity. They must be properly instructed how to draw the abdomen in – and out at the same time holding their breath for a short time. Then they should learn how to properly and fully deflate. All right, yeah, so take a breath in. Let the abdomen in and out. Really hard. It's kind of weird. <laughs> is everyone trying that? All like, seriously, doing, try that. It's freaking hard. Just, um, uh, adjusting your intra-abdominal pressure, the pressure within your abdomen, right? Because when you take a breath in, your diaphragm descends, and you move your abdomen out. The pressure decreases, move to abdomen in, the pressure increases. Because so, at first I thought, is he going for the Valsalva? But no, no you're doing this unusual, yeah, like. Sort of a belly dancing maneuver. Yeah, so I, I can't. It's very belly dancing. I can't really imagine what the functional benefit of that might be. Even like what he, what he thought the functional, maybe just control of, of muscles, you know, was the benefit he was going for there. But it's certainly, you know, not. I can't think of any particular functional outcome, like it's not going to enhance the stiffness of your torso or any, you know, anything like that. Um, so the full inhalation, well, he's advocating a, a, a forced inhalation, which is a useful thing to be able to do when you're running or exerting, et yep. cetera. 
but you know why it would expend a lot of unnecessary energy to, to do, do it, it when at you don't rest. need to yeah and, right and and you know why I, I'm not clear on why people need to learn how I to I feel like it's almost it. made me feel a bit hyperventilating <laughs> a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah so I, I well if you you know if you if you run you can take full breaths when you run like why why do you need training in how to do that it's not clear to me so for those that say if you are not cueing pilates breath when teaching pilates you are not teaching pilates well what so i haven't i haven't been to any i'm sorry but in all the classes I've been to, including by classical instructors, that's not the breath I, I teach, have no. never been taught this no. breath ever. I've been taught I've, that. I've been taught that. Hundreds. Well, yeah, and I've been taught the start like, and I've had clients that have come into my class. It's been really interesting, Raph, because I don't cue breath. I don't cue breath, right? Funny that, and we'll talk about that in from a motor learning perspective in a moment. But what's been interesting, and and my clients in group settings. They're used to me not cueing breath, right? They never even are like, when should I be inhaling? When I'm like, well, whenever you bloody want to. Like, you know, they just do the thing and no one, it just doesn't come up in my classes, right? And it was interesting one day, I remember it was a full class and I had this one uh, instructor come in. She hadn't been to my class before and she was trained with the breath, yeah? And she, we're getting ready for footwork. All my regulars lay down on the reformer. She did too. The first thing I know, I'm like, oh, here we go. She starts palpating her ASIS and pubic symphysis, doing the whole, like, let's try and get in the neutral. And I'm thinking, right, okay. Like that just to me is giving me some little behavioural indications of what she might be expecting slash what is her training, right? And you and and I have been there, totally been there. We've been there. We've been there. I feel like it was... It was a while ago now. It was a while ago. It was a while ago since I've done, but we've been there, so I'm not going to poo-poo that. But I just thought, oh, this is interesting. This to me is a little like, okay, uh. And then the first movement, we push that carriage out and in, and no, so I just, I just let it go. I just ignore it. Bless all my regulars. They're doing these like side looks and like, what's going, like it was, it was so noticeable because it's such an outrageously loud mm. breath, mm. isn't it? And and I remember when I was first going to classes, when I was stop trained, it would be the breath pattern I would go mm. into. Mm. And I've noticed actually that even sometimes when I filmed myself um, doing an exercise, my breath is louder than it probably needs to be. Yeah. So it's been modal learned into me, right? Like yeah. it correlates with me doing Pilates in my own body. I don't cue it, but it's interesting when I do it because mm. I've got so much of it in mm. me that it's, yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't, uh, that's not Pilates breathing, is it? Not according to Joseph Pilates. Well, not according to Joseph Pilates, exactly. And then, um, and when my students ask me about breathing and what's the rule, you know what I often say? Depends what school you went to. Like it literally depends what Pilates school you went to. Mm. Because they all kind of like, they. some of them have the, some of them they have the, um, depending on what level where you inhale, sometimes you inhale on the exertion, sometimes you exhale on the exertion. I'm of the impression that if you're a beginner, then you exhale on the exertion. But if you're advanced, you actually inhale on the exertion. Have you heard that? As yeah, well? that's what we used to. That's the basic rule of thumb in stop that okay. I learned. Yeah, 
Right. Because the exile on exertions to, quote, stabilise, end quote, your spine. Jesus fucking Christ. If you're still teaching anyone to stabilise something, please go listen to that episode of Elephants. Um because <laughs> my tolerance levels for that is getting pretty low. So, so. In, all right, so all right, so that's that's his kind of basic spiel okay. on breathing. But in say return to life, there mm-hmm. are instructions about when to breathe in and out. Yes, and we've spoken about that. And and I thought, didn't we speak about that with um, John Howard Steele, Cage Line? Get your push-ups <laughs> in, pals. Uh, and, that's awesome. Do a pull up. And he. Um, <laughs> Just got to keep it balanced. Keep it balanced. Keep it balanced. Um, so I'm going to have a T-shirt made called Cage Line and you're going to have a T-shirt made called Awesome. No, Cage Line on the front, Awesome on the back. OMG, Raph. <laughs> Please, if one of our lists, you know, a bit of like, if you'd like to make us a T-shirt, we will wear it. We will wear it. If you're out there and you're a graphic designer and you make some T-shirts, make us a T-shirt. We'll wear it on air for you, which is being videoed. So we'll put it on YouTube. Love to see one of those. Um, yeah. That's cute, but I digress. Uh, he So a couple of things to talk about here. Return to Life was written by Joseph's interpreter, so we think. Uh, and and when remember when you asked John, is that, you know, the way it is written, is that how Joseph spoke? And John's like, no, it's not how Joseph spoke at all. Absolutely, Joe had uh, a strong German accent, uh, but he could speak in uh, and understand English well, it, I thought, or that's the in- impression. It seemed they didn't like to say a lot. Um, that was just his manner potentially, but he could definitely understand English clearly, etc. But he did not write uh, like he does. And I'm going to guess your health would have been penned as well by a ghost writer. Um, so in regards to Return to Life, um, I can't remember who said this. Was this, I don't want to quote someone incorrectly if it wasn't them, was it Benjamin Degenhart? But I'm not sure that someone said it was the interpreter. It was that said we need to put the breath cues in. But it wasn't how Joseph taught it. So when you asked John Howard Steele, who was physically there being taught by Joseph, how did Joseph cue breath? Well, he cued take the inhale and then exhale. I did so terrible. That was not a German accent at all. I'm sorry. That was really awkward, everyone. I'm embarrassed for myself. Heath Lander does a really good German accent. John Howard Steele does a really good German accent. Chloe does not, so I just won't try that again. But um, is that your understanding yeah. of it as well, Raph? Yeah, also. Yep. And and moreover, like when you look at the breath patterns in the in Return to Life, and the, the, the written instructions in Return to Life are so difficult Convoluted. It's really, full on. Really complicated. You're um, better but, off just looking at the photos, yeah. to be really honest. Absolutely. But when you when you look through it, you know, by and large, exhale is on flexion and inhale is on extension. Right. You know, by and large. Not always. Wait, you've looked that close. I must have been, yeah. I haven't looked that closely at it. But, and so that, like if, if you know, when, you, when I'm teaching a group of students and they're going, oh, what's the breath pattern? What's the breath pattern? I'm like, okay, we'll just do the, do the roll up a few times. Notice how you breathe. Mm. Now look in the book and they're like, oh yeah, I was already doing it. Genius, Raph. Why don't you pass that one on to me? That's a really handy (laughs) tidbit for myself and the trainers. Thanks. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? He's just describing um, the movement, Mm -hmm. right? So if you just do the movement, it's like it's kind of intuitive. Yeah. You know, when you roll up, you want to exhale, right? Yeah. Yeah, So, because as we know, that's that's, that's the biomechanics of breathing. Right. There you go. Okay. So... Okay, so, okay, let's loop back then to 
when we think about cueing breath, um, because I uh, remember back to my STOT days and for your exam, you had to remember every single freaking inhale and exhale of every single exercise. And to be honest, that's what I, I, I was so fucking stressed about learning the breath. So I did a little cheat and I took uh, the awesome Stella Atwood. We've mentioned her a few times. I took her in as my body because she was already fully trained and certified, right? I'm like, sure, she's got to know these breathing patterns. And I said to her, I said, I'm going to, sorry, just uh, FYI, Nick, Ralph, I, it's a little bit of a cheat. I brought Stella in on purpose Uh-oh. and I said to her, I went, and you're about to take my certification. Yeah, we've got, I'm going to have to write to Stott Head Office. <laughs> and yeah. I said to her, I said, just breathe a little louder and more exaggerated than usual. So you will I will, you will be my lead as to where the inhales and exhales was. I was too busy learning the fucking exercises, yeah, let alone ridiculous. the breath patterns. So, and the, the worst thing was, though, Stella's came in and we both forgot this one exercise and I looked at her and she goes, oh, I can't remember. And I was just like, scissor, 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 scissor. Like that's like Nick as would remember <laughs> this moment. Thank God she had her head down, was taking notes at the time. Stell's looking at me panicked. Like, so here's the thing. If if you cue breath 50 million times, if you ask people to totally just focus on when they breathe, that is what they're going to focus on, Okay. That is what they're going to focus on. So all that does, particularly when you are learning something new, is hampers your learning of the motor skill being the choreography of the exercise. So what that means is every time that client comes into you to class, all of a sudden again, you've got to teach them the freaking whole exercise from go to woe again because they're like, but when, when do I inhale? When do I exhale? All they're thinking about is when they breathe. So you are by you are hampering motor learning. Okay, so if you are going to add in breath, if it's important to you or it's important to your clients or you want to add it in as that little extra finesse, do it when they already know the other stuff. Like do it when they're, you know, they know what footwork is. They know what, you know, the roll up is. They know this, like if you want to add it in as a layer, Mm. add it in then, right? All the time. And look, I remember how annoying I think my classes must have used to be really annoying because every single second word that was uh, inhale now, exhale, inhale, exhale. Like, A, I could have just shut up and let people move. B, we could have had a chat about what's happening in people's lives, something Mm. fun, Mm. you know, like Mm. other stuff. Yeah. And also it's like it just takes away their autonomy. It's like, well, that's like one of the most basic functions in life is breathing. Right. So, and I'm exercising and how do you know how fit I am and how often I need to breathe? You know. Right. It's like <laughs> but, but remember to breathe, Ralph. That's a trigger cue for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. I know. I was like, did you feel that pause where I'm just like, it is, it is for me. And I know like when we talked uh, in our episode with Anthony, he made a good point that, you know, for someone and he's coming more from a rehab pain perspective, we're going to have a little chat about that now. I think Anthony was coming more from that, that, you know, may like, and we're going to talk about now where, why it may be helpful to cue some breath and what sort of breath. Um, but from a group Pilates perspective, I tell you what, no one's going to forget to breathe because no. otherwise they'll die. Yeah. So, we, you know, we do the Valsalva maneuver, which is when you, <gasps> your breath hold, you basically, yeah. you, you pressurize your abdomen. When you're and, lifting something heavy. Yeah. When you're lifting something heavy and that, that stiffens your torso. And so if you're doing something like the hundreds where your you know, gravity wants to bend your torso and the whole point of the exercise is to keep your torso still, well, 
the Valsalva manoeuvre is going to make that a little bit easier. So it's a natural, it's, people aren't forgetting to breathe. Their autonomic motor system is on purpose. But I need to ensure to that they're doing in for five, out for five, Raph. Well, you can if you want. No, obviously, I was being <laughs> um, <laughs> um So anyway, so it's not people forgetting to breathe. It's people's motor system on purpose gotcha. not breathing to make the movement easier, right? That's a, gotcha. you know, go, you know, if you're at home, just go lift up something heavy, see what happens. That's what you do. The, the hollow body hold, which, you know, from, from gymnastics, which is what we see replicated time and time again yeah. in Joseph's Contrology, yeah. it's a stiff torso. Yeah, stiff. So anyway, that, that breath holding the Valsalva manoeuvre is helps you stiffen your torso. Yeah. Um, and, you know, any elite athlete does it when they lift or uh-huh. whatever. So, uh, all right, okay. so, so reminding people to breathe, not necessary in my view. Um, but when would you cue breath? Well, I think um, – uh, you know, like Anthony said the other the other day, if someone comes in and they've got a pattern, you know, some particular activity that is painful for them, you know, whether it's forward bending or backward bending or lifting or stepping or whatever, mm. right? Um, you know, one of the things that you know about pain is that it can become, you know, basically conditioned, right? So conditioning maybe is not the you know, technically exactly the right term, but it basically, you know, when 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 we experience all of the the context in which we previously had pain, that context context can trigger a painful experience. Just like if you had, you know, like if you hear a particular song that, you know, when the first, you know, one time you heard that song, there was some like really intense emotional thing happening for you, whether it's a, a, a joyful emotion or a sad emotion or whatever, right? When you hear that song now, it can trigger that emotion, right? It's, or a smell when you smell, smell something. right. right. Right, a smell. Um, you know, even like TV shows and things can trigger emotions because they, you know, that were associated with when we saw that TV show mm. or smelled that smell or whatever. It's like it becomes conditioned, yeah. right? And so pain can be the same. So if you, if you've become conditioned to, you know, every time you squat in a certain way or bend in a certain way or step in a certain way, mm. it's painful. It's, it can become like a habituated. You know, yeah. it can become painful, mm-hmm. uh, like conditioned. So, uh, and part of the context is how you breathe. Right. So if you, if you, you know, you know, typically if you anticipate pain in a sort of movement, most people will kind of hold their breath and brace. Okay. Um, and so, you know, encouraging them to breathe in or breathe out, you know, during the movement instead of bracing, not because bracing is bad, but just because doing something different can create a different context, which then can alleviate that, you know, not trigger that that pain response mm-hmm. and but by the same token if somebody's conditioned to going <laughs> as they bend right yeah well that can be part of the context that can trigger the pain response so getting them to actually breath hold or inhale instead you know just something different yeah just modulate it just do something different yeah. right change the context and mm. it's like if you know the uh, a really good um analogy is like okay if there's a particular song that for you is very evocative and triggers a certain emotion, whether mm. it's a happy emotion or a sad emotion. You know, well, you know, when you, f- you hear that song in your mind right now, you're probably hearing that song in your mind and you're probably feeling that emotion, right? But just imagine if that song was played by the Chickmunks, you know, like <laughs> really fast with really high-pitched voices. It's like it wouldn't trigger the same emotion, oh, right? It's because you change the context yeah. enough, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't trigger that experience. So that, that would be, you know, one time where you could cue breath, but it's the, it wouldn't necessarily be about breathing a particular way. Yeah. It would just be about doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have done that uh, before too with, with clients who are, um, you know, the client that 
that walks in in pain feeling like a plank kind of thing, yeah, yeah. and and just allowing them to do some well, – empowering them to do – not allowing, but empowering them to do some just deep belly breathing, right. just letting the belly puff up, relax, just softening into it. Uh, and, again, it's just – it's just uh, some, I guess some neuromodulation maybe, you know, well, when you belly breathe, you, uh, you know, relaxed breathing, mm-hmm. you know, belly breathing is something you only do at rest, right? Because as soon as you start exerting, you get some gotcha. adrenaline in your system. That's when you start taking yeah. more forced inhalations and mm-hmm. exhalations. So belly breathing, uh, you know, when you're at rest, you belly breathe. Mm-hmm. And when you belly breathe, you feel like you're resting, right? So uh-huh. it, it, there's, a, there's sort of a bi-directional kind of influence there. And in fact, there is, I've just got a little... Um, a study in front of me called Breathing Technique in Pain and Cognitive Function, a Systematic Review of the Literature from 2020. And um, what it basically says is that uh, belly breathing alleviates pain. You know, it's not like a miracle cure, but it it has a significant and consistent effect of, you know, if someone's in pain, whether it's back pain or Mm -hmm. neck pain or whatever, Mm -hmm. you lie them down on a comfortable spot and get them to focus on breathing deeply into the belly and relaxing fully, mm. their so pain doing, decreases. So the opposite of which would be getting to them to concentrate on activating their core and doing these really aggressive... Right. So so that's, that's a time where I might cue breath, right? Mm. But it would be to cue like, okay, you know, lie on your back, put a hand on your tummy, put a hand on your chest. Can you keep your chest kind of still and see if you can breathe into your belly, mm. right? And can you then just as you exhale, just let it be totally relaxed. Just blah, mm. flop. Yeah. I'm feeling really relaxed. You're just saying it. I'm like, I've noticed that I'm just sort of slumping more and more down into my chair. Right. And, and it's that's like, why yeah. I normally do this lying down with someone, right? right. I'd, I'd lie them on the floor, lie them on a table. or I've know, done it with whatever. them on the reformer yeah, before. The reformer, yeah. yeah. So, so that's a thing. Um, uh, although, interestingly, um, there's another systematic review uh, which – I've got called um, the effect of randomized controlled yoga training intervention trials on chronic pain, a systematic review and meta-analysis of the effect of a single session of yoga postures with and without slow breathing on acute pain sensitivity, endogenous pain modulation and state anxiety. Sexy title. Woo! That just rolled (laughs) off the tip of the tongue. Um, So anyway, that's from 2020. Ooh, Um, nice and recent. uh, Basically what they found is yoga helps pain, Mm. right? So, um, and this was... uh, Mainly, this was a single session of yoga, and this was like experimental pain. So they basically they sit you down, and then they poke you with a red hot thing in your arm. You know, not red hot, but you know, hot a hot thing in your arm. Oh, so they're provoking and, the pain. And they go, "How much does that hurt?" And you go, oh, "It's you know six out of ten or whatever." And then you do a yoga session, and then they sit you down again and poke you with the same thing again. And say, "How much does it hurt?" And you go, "Oh, that's only four out of 10 Did, did now. they legitimately do that? Is that yeah. the model they use? They yeah, yeah. poked them with with a with a hot thingy stick. Whatever, and the, and gave them a burn. I'm just, I'm, no, no, not I don't, burn. I don't, well, but I don't not understand. Hot like, to cause tissue damage. yeah, but like when you get poked with something, right? It hurts while you're being poked with it, depending on yeah. what it is, and then it doesn't. So I don't understand how this is a. Well, just hurt. It was just that they were just measuring the pain during the poke, right? So as you've got this hot thing on your arm. Okay. Oh, sorry. And then they did yoga, and then they re-poked them. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm with you now. <laughs> sorry. I was like, I'm, I'm where is this going? <laughs> some kind of like hair curling iron or something. That, that really, you know. <laughs> that really, really hurts. Like I've done that many times. I had but, quite a burn uh, on my Not hard enough to damage the, the, the dermis. Oh, okay. So, so anyway, and what they found was, oh, yes, yoga helps, right. 
right? But adding deep breathing to yoga didn't help more. Because in yoga, you're breathing anyway, right? It's vinyasa yoga, you you know. Yeah, well, uh, every single yoga class I've ever been to, I've had the breath cued right. throughout. And, and so, so, so this there was is like yoga, on cueing, yoga with cueing breath and versus yoga with not cueing breath. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they found it didn't make any difference. Wow. But so maybe, you know, yoga – you know, has does something, it calms down the nervous system in a similar way mm. to belly breathing. And it's like if you do both of them, it's like we already calm down your nervous system. You can't mm. calm it down twice. And is yoga unique to if we did the same study with running or we did the same study with Maybe, Pilates yeah. or we did the same study? Yeah, don't know. Yeah. That would be interesting. Mm. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? But, you know, so anyway, I would I f- say... I feel that would be fair if we could compare it to other <laughs> modalities as well. Belly breathing is, uh, is, you know, well, I mean, you know, we know yoga for chronic pain is no better or worse than any other darn thing, right? Yeah. You know, it's been tried against everything and it's yeah. the same. So I think, you know, what we can say with confidence is that belly breathing, you know, relaxed diaphragmatic breathing is, you know, an effective tool in your toolbox if you have pain. Right. So, Raph, when you say diaphragmatic breathing, because, you know, it's funny, I think that's often been a trigger word for me because it's like, well, isn't every breath diaphragmatic? But what you're saying there is diaphragmatic without involving yeah, the auxiliary muscles. Just re- yeah. at rest breathing. Yeah. So I think it's good to sort of, yeah. Uh, un- yeah. yeah. So keeping your neck relaxed, keeping your, your, tr- your trunk relaxed, keeping your abdominals mm. relaxed, everything's relaxed. It's just your belly puffing out as you inhale mm. and then your belly just like elastically re- recoiling. Yeah. You know, just you just relax and the exhale happens all by itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So the so I guess I just want to loop back one more time to this um correct way to breathe if it you know with pilates and if you're not breathing like that it's not pilates when i'm thinking and more and i know i keep leaping back to this but it is the most i think if we're thinking about pilates breath that's probably the, the do they do that you know that the, like in bassy and in balanced body yeah and i don't think it's i don't think like i don't believe it's just stopped but i mean i don't want to say that and then it is but the so so that that forced exhalation I'm going to assume is coming. I'm going. I'm making an assumption is coming from a place where they're wanting to uh, actively engage transverse abdominus, to transverse abdominus, which is and pelvic floor. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. How when doing that? How much exactly transverse abdominus and pelvic floor are we engaging anyway? And wouldn't it just be more effective to do something else? Like, is it genuinely? Is that genuinely an effective way to recruit those muscles? Uh, well, that would be like worthwhile we doing. In Pilates for athletes, like the studies on transverse abdominus recruitment in different exercises, haven't really been done. That's so right. we, we can't compare that. But uh, we know that for all the other muscles, you know, no, it's not a great way. But you know, I mean, yeah, sure, it's it's you know, it's a way to recruit your transverse abdominus. But it's like, well, just cough or something and, you know, put your hand on your tummy and yeah, see what happens. But you can't go know? to a Pilates class and cough and particularly not in the age of COVID. You'd be like, public enemy 101, get the fuck out of my class now sort of thing, you know. It's like that, that the classic, the classic, yeah. I, I'm sure all um, instructors who are listening to this can relate to this, the classic when the client comes in to the enclosed like group reformer room and you're like, how's everyone going? Oh, I'm really crook. I've got the day off work. I'm just coming to sweat it out. And you're just all there like... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, <laughs> Surely there's, like my, there's a much bigger taboo on that my now. Wor- I, I, that's what yeah, I'm thinking. Like yeah. I'm thinking COVID will have put yeah. a kabush yeah. on that. Yeah. But yeah. um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. In terms of recruiting transverse abdominis, I just think, you know, I mean, we, we could have a whole episode on that, but it's like I, well, we I, probably just, should. I just think, you know, why cue it? You don't cue your freaking triceps when you're doing a tricep extension. Gotcha. You know, it just fucking works. Gotcha. You know, like, <laughs> why cue it? Gotcha. Okay, yeah. You know, like – you don't, I don't. I don't ever see people queuing stenocleidomastoids, and if your stenocleidomastoids relax, well, what happens to your head? You, it falls onto your back. You know, so, <laughs> so, yeah, they just fucking work all the time. That's awesome. So, you know? so this like, is really. I mean, it's in our the magical muscles, isn't it? It's like it's like the transverse abdominis is is the the sexy muscle. Yeah, yeah. What about when you inhale? You know, what about queuing serratus posterior superior? You know, <laughs> serratus anterior. You know, rhomboids like. You know, why don't we ever cue those ones? Yeah. Well, Rav, I feel like that was pretty comprehensive. I reckon. I reckon that's just about our longest episode in the history of episodes. <laughs> we've really, we've really gone there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love that. And um, yeah, if you, you're curious about good old JHP, um, your health. We'll, we'll link to your health in, drop in the some, show notes. Drop some acid and read it. Drop some. <laughs> <laughs> We do no, not advocate we don't that. advocate drugs. No, <laughs> do push ups and read it. <laughs> don't, don't take drugs. <laughs> don't, I, mean, I don't had be to a like. Fool. I don't. I had to stop with the the, <laughs> the drinking games. It's push ups, push ups, push ups. <laughs> um, awesome chat, yeah, Raf. Good chat. Loved it. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.